Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Happy to get back on for another mailbag. It, uh, it's been a few weeks, so uh, just getting around to it, seeing these questions. Hopefully, most of them are still up to date. Um, but yeah, I think we're looking forward to it. I'm sure everybody's wanting to know an update on the mic location and where that might be at, Derek. Well, it has arrived, but it's arrived in Chicago. It's not arrived at my house yet, but I will have it on Monday's episode of Kentucky Daily. 110%. I will have a microphone. Actually, I will have one if we do anything for some reason on Saturday. I will have a microphone then. So this is it. The next couple episodes, and we're done with this audio, and we're moving on. But, Derek, this is the basketball mailbag. We're going to post basketball first, then we'll get to the football one. So let's just jump right into this, and let's start with Lucas Witt's question. What are you looking forward to on the Kentucky camp August 29th? So that's the players' first uh, fan fest that they're putting together, Derek, at Rupp Arena. I don't know how that's going to work with media. I don't know if if we'll be open to media or anything. I'm, I'm assuming maybe they'll send something out about that. But I think the only thing that really that you could even say that you're looking forward to as someone that does our job is maybe just seeing these guys in person. And just getting out there and just and looking and just getting a, a real life look at them. Yeah, I would say like physical changes. Um, and even then, though, for last year, we weren't up. At least I was never up close to any of these guys. I mean, closest look we got from them was uh, yeah in person, but in Rupp Arena, up high, far away. So even that might be a little tougher this year. Uh, I know some people saw these guys in the summer. I don't think I, I don't remember going to any of the summer basketball camps or anything um i will not be attending this or even i don't know if it's even gonna be televised uh i will be at railbird that weekend i have a prior commitment <laughs> uh it's my birthday weekend too so um anything though i mean i know this is a big nil event right it's the whole idea is, is to help generate some buzz for these guys um not sure what we'll be able to take from it but I know with such a basketball-obsessed fan base, they will obviously be very, very eager. And I think it comes at a pretty cool time, too, because um, for a lot of the fan base, I think the attention will be turned to football that next weekend. But this is a little something different. You know, you'll have basketball, and people who get excited about that can, can have that. That's what I always liked about the um, every four years or whatever it was where they would do the preseason summer tours or whatever where they would play. I always thought it was a cool little thing to – to kind of break up the, the early days of football camp and, and have some basketball in there as well. So this will do this to a lesser extent. It'll be something I think that uh, people can draw some conclusions from and uh, maybe, maybe overdraw some conclusions, but overall, I think it's a cool event for the guys and it will be a way to, to generate some buzz for as if Kentucky basketball really needed any more buzz though. Speaking of that and the Bahamas thing that they usually do, if they do that again next year, it would mark the four year, the fourth year removed since they've done it last. So that is that still a thing that they can actually do? Do you know that? It is. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I can't remember the school. I follow some riders though. I, I think it's Colorado actually, Colorado who's been doing. Uh, I'm not sure where they were this year, but they have um, done the preseason thing. And I mean Kentucky. I would imagine it's still a little tricky trying to schedule this far out in advance. Um, but. Shoot, I hope uh, next year they'll be able to be do something. That yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, well, they did the Bahamas last. They did. They went to Canada one year, right? I think. Yeah, the They've been to the Bahamas twice, if I'm not mistaken. Twice, okay. Uh, well, it's a nice they spot. Go, 
Yeah, they already go to London next year to play Michigan. So that game will be on. Right. Yeah. So we'll we'll see exactly what happens. But yeah, that that is still a thing. And we'll Kentucky will be due for one of those if uh, COVID allows it and everything at that point. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk a lot of recruiting. A lot of these questions seem to be the same. Uh, Nick says, has there been any news of Collins and how he has performed or improved? Not a lot right now, just because they've not been on campus for a few weeks, have they, Derek? When was that? Right. Maybe three weeks now that they've not been on campus. A lot of these guys have been doing individual work. Uh, I know that I have seen video of Tata Washington working. Uh, you've seen Jacob Toppin doing stuff, Oscar Shibway, Kellen Grady worked out with Malik Monk a few weeks ago. So a lot of these guys have been on their own and getting workouts in, in their hometowns or where they're staying. So we've not got a lot of those reports. Uh, the, I'm sure those will ramp up, though, by the time we get to the first week, September, second week, September. That's when we'll start getting a lot of so-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's doing that. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and even then, in this individual work, things like that, I, I just think it's kind of hard to take anything away from that until these guys all get back. I mean, especially a player like Collins, someone who – kind of two things about Collins. You would think his <coughs> – excuse me. The, the way he – his athleticism would be, would be great in some ways to see, you know, how he's blocking shots, how he's doing things, but also – if he's going to be getting bullied around some, I think anytime you're watching like him on a workout where it's not really against another big, it might be hard to, to truly evaluate how he's improved, how he's performed. Um, but I do think with, with Shibway being there, a guy he'll have to compete against every day. That'll, that'll help toughen him up. Um, either way, he was the kind of guy we talked about once they did not get Duran or Coburn, you know you're going to have to count on him. So, to answer the question, though, no, I've not heard any kind of updates on, on him. And just to be blunt, I've not heard updates on anybody. So, <laughs> it's, that, it's that odd time of the summer, though, where those guys go home and they work on their own until classes start. So, they're moving. They'll be having uh, – they'll be all heading back to campus very soon, Derek. To, to start the 23rd, right? Yeah. So, they'll classes. be getting ready for the semester, and then they'll start those workouts again and some team-oriented stuff. And then we'll be moving into Big Blue Madness or so here in two months. Uh, we should be getting a Kentucky basketball schedule, you'd think, pretty soon. Yeah. Because it, it, it's usually around this time to the 1st of September, it seems like, that they send that out. Uh, we have a couple questions here that I'm going to group together. Adam says, any updates on Sharp and Lively? When can we expect some dominoes to fall? And then Tanner also asks, any updates for Lively? His last Insta video on Instagram has a clear shot of John Shire in it, and he's the only coach featured in the clip. Derek, you're kind of starting to see some dominoes fall now with Casey Wallace setting a decision date, uh, Adem Bona and stuff, getting an offer from Kentucky. I, I think that you're, you're closing in now on a period here in the fall where I think Kentucky's class is going to go from one to at least three before Kentucky tips off their first game of the regular season. We know there's a lot of talk about Shaden Sharp. As of right now, I would be shocked if Shaden Sharp's not a Kentucky Wildcat at some point between now and October. That's just the way that I think it's trending uh, in that direction. A lot of this, too, with some of these other schools, Derek, because these kids, they don't want to, and then the G League being there, these kids don't want to tip their hand or, you know, or like where they're going. Like you want to you have a poker face with this and have some suspense to your collegiate decision. You just don't want to say – I don't want everybody to be say, hey, well, he's going to Kentucky for sure. You want to have some fun with it. 
Yeah, I'm with you on the sharp uh, news. It just seems like when you get that many people all hinting or actually with him, it's like not even hinting at this point. They're just straight up saying he's going to go to Kentucky. Um, so you're really just waiting on a decision date. Yeah, Norland called it the lock of all locks, didn't he? Yeah. So do you know with him, is there any kind of – I would assume, I mean, it would be, but any kind of competition with any of the pro leagues? Or is he pretty set on going to school? I think it's school. I mean, I know the G League is obviously there in his list, but I, I think it's I think it's school for Shaden Sharp. And then an update on Lively and the Instagram video stuff. One thing that we got to know about these Instagram videos, Derek, is they're these recruits aren't the ones making these Instagram videos. Like if, mm-hmm. if they have that type of skill set, then wow, because there's no way I could do that. Somebody's making these videos, and it, that might have just been something that they decided to include in it, but I wouldn't dive too far into that. Just like I wouldn't pay too much attention to who these guys follow on social media. We've seen guys follow John Calipari and go to Duke. We've seen guys follow other schools and coaches and go to Kentucky. So I wouldn't look too much into the Instagram. Kentucky feels like they're in an excellent position with Lively as well as they do with Sharp. Lively's one to watch though, that if they could get him early, Derek, a fall decision, it would be massive. But there is some some talk that he could push off into the winter, into the spring, which I'm sure Kentucky wouldn't want to do. But now that they've offered a Dimbona, I think Kentucky feels good. I think for sure Kentucky gets one of them. But I actually like Kentucky to possibly get both. Yeah, I saw that clip circulating of him blocking the shot and then going down and stor- uh, scoring on Chet Holmgren. That, that's an impressive clip. I mean, he – he kind of looks like a big that Cal would like, uh, hardworking. He, he, I couldn't tell, Sean. I just looked at one video. He looks a little thin to me, is he? I don't know what he's listed as. I've not um, looked at his list, but, man, you're talking about a guy. And he did that down 27, too, Derek. Yeah, that was an impressive clip. I mean, I don't know how he looked the rest of the game. Like you said, the team was getting crushed. Uh, but for that little sequence right there, I mean, that was enough to dream on, that's for sure. 6'10", 225 is what he's listed at on 24-7. 225. Okay. I mean, it's not, that's not bad then. Yeah, I mean, all the, all the picks are in, you know, all the picks are trending for Kentucky in that one. And that, that's another one that he's a top we, 10 guy on 24 seven. Yeah. And Brandon Jenkins, I had him on that, the episode that I recorded, like, a, I think it was last week I recorded. I asked him about both of those guys and he didn't, he thought for sure Kentucky would get one. He didn't know, he wasn't going to say it's a definite they get both, but he thought that Cal would be intrigued by getting both in this class. And if, if you ask me predictions for this class, I would say Sharp, Wallace, Clark, Lively, and Bona. That's my predictions. Those are, class. That is, that, that's, that's how I predicted. I, I'll predict those five as of right now. Now that could change. Uh, but from a confidence standpoint, uh, Sharp has to be at the top, right? And now that Wallace has a visit coming to Kentucky and we set a, set a date, I think Wallace ends up at Kentucky. And you're talking two defensive freaks if you get Wallace and Bona both on your roster. And the way that – and it is Bona, by the way. Bona. So I, I, did, I did find that out last week that it is a dim Bona. But he's a guy too, Derek, with – there's a lot of confidence that it will be Kentucky for him when it comes down to making a decision. Now that that offer has been extended, you're, you're starting to like what Cal's – possibly putting together now you just need these dominoes to start falling and I think Shaden Sharp is the one that sets it in motion whenever that happens yeah I mean you would add you know obviously Clark's already already in that class it's five five-star guys we're talking about right there and then the possibility of 
any potentially big additions you could add from the portal. So, I mean, um, if you add those five guys from the high school ranks, you, you could basically be in a great spot where you're evaluating your roster for next year, seeing who stays, who goes, who maybe transfers, and then any other additions you make from the, the portal, you would think would pretty much only fortify what should be a pretty strong roster for that next season. And I think – do you think that class would be a return to dominance for UK recruiting? Yeah, it, it would. That would probably be the number one class, right? I, would, I couldn't imagine if they had Lively and Sharp both that it wouldn't be. We, we had that question – I think earlier about would what class would return Kentucky to to that, and it would definitely be that class if they get the guys that I named off and stuff there. I just think that that signals that they're back to being what they were. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And Adam has a, another question here, Derek. Should we expect better execution out of the gate on offense and defense where this team has a core of upperclassmen as opposed to other years that were freshman heavy? I think so. I think that you can expect better execution, although these guys will need to get adjusted and acclimated to playing together. It's a lot of new faces. But you have collegiate experience guys that understand what it takes to win and play in a collegiate system. I think that alone will help. Yes, I agree. Um, that's kind of, to me, one of the big advantages for this year's team is, like you said, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment to playing with people who you've not spent a whole lot of time playing uh, playing basketball with. But you would think that kind of the cumulative experience that's been assembled on this roster uh, should be able to pick up a little bit quicker. Um, I think especially defensively. Offensively, you know, we'll see. I think they should still be pretty good. But I think defensively, if you take some things away from Cal, what he always gripes about every year is – and it's natural, I guess you would say, is getting the freshmen to understand how hard they have to play every single possession. You would think that will not be an issue on this year's team. And you, you think about those few freshmen that they do have, they have great examples ahead of them of how you need to practice – how you need to work, you would think it will be much easier for that group of, you know, this group of freshmen to pick things up because they they have true examples to follow. Where you know a lot of years you might have you might have had what seven or eight freshmen, six, seven, eight freshmen or underclassmen on one team. It would be hard to to kind of know. So I, I think definitely defensively, um, it should be a pretty good group right out of the gate, and I would say a, a good chance on offense, but I, I could see that maybe being a little bit behind the defense to start. I agree with that 100%. Uh, Cameron has a question. Which team do you think Cal loses the most sleepover not winning a championship? This is a good question. 
I know the 38 and one team gets talked about a lot, but I think Wall, Cousins, and Fox Monk were right there. Also, Randall's team was right there as well, losing in the finals. Thanks, guys. It's a good question, Derek, because you can make an argument that Kentucky should have definitely gone 40 and 0 that year. The Wall Cousins team was clearly the most talented team in college basketball, didn't win it. Fox and Monk really close. I'm going to say, though, just throwing it in there, they won it in 12, so I think that kind of softened not winning it in 2010 with Wall and that group. They had had a Final Four appearance in 2011. 38-1, I think, has to be the one that Cal loses sleep over because they had a chance to run through, go 40-0, something that people were saying could not be done, and something that was a personal goal of Cal's. We know that he wanted to accomplish that. I, th- I think that that one has to be it. Yeah, it is a good question, but at the same time, I don't I don't think it's even a question. <laughs> like I think it's definitely the 38 and one team. I mean, that you got 40 and 0 right there. Any anything that people ever said about Cal on a personal level as coaching, anything like that. I mean, what are you gonna what can you pin against the guy at that point? That would have been two titles in what, three years, four years, something like that. Um yeah, two titles in three years, right? That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Math is hard. Uh, 12 and 15, he could have had two. And he would, that would have been, you know, the fourth Final Four appearance in five years. Of course, they, they had that anyway. But really, until Gonzaga this year, you hadn't really had any other – since then or before then, it had been a long time since the team had even come that close. Who was the team before Kentucky? Was it one of those UNLV teams before yeah. Kentucky in the 90s? Early 90s. Early 90s. I mean, it had been a long time before anyone had really come close to that. Um, I think it's got to be them. I think you're absolutely right. There are other groups that could have won one. I don't know that any other group you could sit here and say should have won one. In 2015, they should have won the national championship. And take all the other things aside, I mean, obviously a huge milestone it would have been to have gone undefeated. I just think that was one of those years they truly had the best team in college basketball, the most talented team. And there were other good teams that year. I mean, very, very good teams. The team they lost to was really good. Um, but I think that's definitely got to be the one. What's interesting about that, though, Sean, is how things might have changed. Had they, if, if they go 40 0, does Cal feel any other need to continue to pursue goals in college basketball? Or at that time, does he try to make a leap back to the NBA? I mean, who knows how, how things could have been different. But you will notice it's, Going back to, what, 2017, since we even mentioned a team? Yeah. A lot of those teams we just mentioned were early on in his tenure. So that's another sign probably that needs to get back to, to what they used to be. Yeah, it's that's a good question. If he completes that 40-0 campaign, you could argue that he wouldn't be at Kentucky right now because I think that something else might have come along. Because, I mean, what, what else do you accomplish? If you go perfect, you add a second title. I still think he's chasing a second title at Kentucky. I think that that's kept him around as long as it has, honestly. Yeah, I agree. It has. And, you know, he stays long enough. Um, you just keep assembling the talent. You, you think you're probably bound to break through eventually. But it's, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. It's a tough sport to just say, hey, you got the best team, go win it. You know, it's, it's a little harder in basketball than it is some other sports. Ben has two basketball questions one basketball team this year, one recruiting. Let's stay on the topic of this year. Is it me or is the basketball community torn on what UK will be next year? You see ESPN has them like top of, top eight and then flip over to CPS, CBS and they have them top 15. 
I guess I'm not the only one who has no idea of what to expect with so many new pieces. <laughs> I, it's, it's all over the place. Does, does last year have any effect you think in some of these voters minds and some of these people that are putting them in certain spots that, you know, that this Kentucky is what's coming back good enough to go with what's coming in. Do you, or do you think there's just, and then some people, do you think that they just assume that last year was an outlier and they've got Kentucky at eight, or do you think that this roster falls somewhere in the middle of maybe those to start? Um, if I word, is that word that correctly? No, at all? you did. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's a good question. Um, I think it's undeniable that basically every year Kentucky has been given the benefit of the doubt, probably up until this season because of what happened last year. Um, because more often than not, Kentucky by the end of the year was at least a team that was in competition. You would say it was a team that at least had a realistic shot to win a national title. Some years more than others, but a lot of years they were at least right there. I mean, shoot, you talk about a bad year or what compared to a lot of years, you could call it a bad year. 2018 with Shea Gilgis, Alexander and those guys, I mean, they did things in the Cal year that had never been done at UK. What they lost four straight SEC games. I uh, got swept at home or got swept in the regular season by Tennessee, I think for the first time this century. Uh, and then you look up at the end of the year and they had a clear path when some other teams lost to make it back to the final four. Um, I think this roster, in my opinion, without knowing the ins and outs of every single other team, like I think they have a chance. So a lot of it probably just depends on how many teams you realistically think can, can compete for a national championship this year. I don't blame voters or people who do these polls for wanting to wait and see how they look. Um, I, I liked basically all of Kentucky's transfers. I think you look at some guys and and you know for sure they're not, that they'll need to contribute more than others. I mean, I look at a guy like C.J. Frederick. You don't really put him on the same level as importance as a guy like Sheboy, who is going to be commanding a, a very important position for this team. Uh, probably even a guy like, you know, obviously a guy like Kellen Grady. I think you're going to be counting way more from Grady than Frederick this year, but that doesn't mean that Frederick won't play a big role. I mean, he's an experienced guy from a, a good program. So um, I guess if I were – I think top 15 is right. Anything lower than that I think is probably being a little a little bit nitpicky just because I would be surprised if there were 15 rosters better than Kentucky. But I can't say that it's, you know, egregious that not everyone has them in the top 10. Yeah. And then Ben's second question was for recruiting, and we, we kind of already touched on this. Chances we see UK have at least Derek Lively, Scott Clark, Shaden Sharp, Adem Bona, and Casey Wallace committed before the UK U of L game. So that game's going to be sometime in December. Derek, if not all of them, then who do you think? I said earlier that Lively's the one that I think could extend into the winter, possibly the spring. I think for sure, you know, Clark's there. Sharp's going to be off the board. Wallace is going to be off the board, and I think a Dembona comes off the board possibly a little bit before that. I mean, there's there's some buzz that a decision possibly with him now that Kentucky has offered. I'm going to say four of those guys are in UK's class before Kentucky plays Louisville. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think only Lively might not be out of that group that he asked. Try to see if we have anything else. Just be patient with me here. I don't think we have anything unless we have some in – hold on, that's a football one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> About when – so uh, we have one here too. I, I know it's important for the fan base to be excited and engaged regarding recruiting and engage – or uh, hold on. 
engage regarding recruiting, but with Shaden Sharp's recent ESPN comments that threw up a big question mark about his intentions. So keep in mind, this came from August 8th. We've not had a mailbag mm-hmm. since then. So I just want to make sure that we get it. Um, I wonder if there's a point at which too much confidence in a recruit's upcoming decision can become a negative and create a backlash. They feel taken for granted, for instance. Interested to hear your thoughts on how much fan base and media confidence in a pick might be too much. I don't I don't really look into that too much. At least I very much hope that kids don't change their mind for their college because a lot of people think they might be going to one place. But kids can do dumb things, so I'm not saying it's impossible that that would happen. But I would say typically if, if there's that much attention on one school, it's for a good reason. And it's, it's just rare that that many people would be wrong. Yeah. And then another question, too. I don't think Cal would have been keen to add Kofi, even if there hadn't been a Jalen hanging out there, because there's no way he was going to tear up everything he's done to build this team and then play two fives. And Kofi was not coming to play behind Oscar, and Oscar didn't come to play behind anybody. We'll never know for sure, but your thoughts. John Calipari did build this roster all through the spring, Derek, to make a transition to a four-out-one in look. We know that that's something the staff has talked to these guys about because the players confirmed it to us in interviews over the summer at the satellite camps. He's got a point. If they would have added Kofi or Jalen, it would have changed the way that this roster plays because it would have forced Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin probably to play some minutes at the three, whereas you could now you could still play those guys at the three in a pinch depending on situations. But for the bulk of it, it looks like Kentucky's going to have a three-guard attack in the backcourt with the roster that they have in place. So that's that's the only credit I give to Cal in that. Did I disagree with him not taking Kofi? Absolutely. But he's, for once, it seems like he is dead set on possibly changing the way that he does some things, and that I take that as a positive. I would because I think if they had Kofi or – well, I guess it's, it's, if they had Kofi, I, I definitely could have seen him reverting back and kind of – you look at what they had – I do understand the sense that maybe what they had built and planned for would have been off or not had he decided to take him. I, I totally get your argument that you want to take the best players and, and go from there, especially after the year that they just had. I understand that. But I do think – it's just not something I'm going to knock him that much for. And I want you to hold me accountable for that if the season gets here and it's a disaster at the five and they it's just so obvious that they could have used him. Then you can push back on me there. But I think – um I think this is going to work better in the long term because they chose to just roll with the guys that they had. And just like that, I want you to hold me accountable for Jacob Toppin (laughs) becoming a stud by the end of the season if it doesn't work out. But this is our final question in the basketball mailbag. It comes from Clay. The more I think about the concern with the backup center position, what are your thoughts on going a little smaller with Toppin and Brooks at the 4-5? We've talked about this a little bit. I know it gives up some size, but would be t- a tough lineup for opposing teams to defend. We also just seem to not talk about Damian Collins. It, Collins is forgotten a little bit, you know, a little about, like when we think of his of who he is and stuff, Derek. And I know that I come on this podcast and said he got pushed around by Paolo Bancaro and some others at Iverson. Uh, I think a lot of people don't really know what to expect of Damian. You, you ask some people, they think he's going to be the highest draft pick off the roster possibly. And then you ask some that think that, He's going to be there at Kentucky multiple years, and you got some that thinks that if he struggles, could not be at Kentucky very long. I don't, I don't really know. I think there's a lot of question marks around Damian Collins, and 
to me, Oscar Sheboy being really good helps Damian Collins slide into a role. Like, I just don't think that they're going to be able to just lean on Damian Collins this year. I really don't. From from what I've seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, I don't feel like Collins has forgotten as, as about as much as Bryce Hopkins is. I feel like I always forget about him when we get to talking. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's right there, but I just kind of forget about him because you, you think about all the guards they have and then you think about the bigs. It's like he's kind of somewhere in the middle um, on the roster. It's just hard to know at this point where he's going to fit in. But um, without having – I mean, it's, I don't know how much I really want to say about Collins. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he's a bit of a slow – just knowing his story, knowing that he's from a small Texas school – hasn't probably played a ton of kids that were any, you know, that were better than him or anything like that. I could, I almost lean more towards thinking he's going to need a little bit of time to develop versus him being that lottery pick, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying, I I would almost think at this point on August 19th, having not seen much, I would lean towards him being more likely to come back to UK for a second year than him being drafted so high that he, shouldn't consider coming back, I guess. Like, and I could be wrong, but I just, that's kind of the way that I lean, especially after hearing some of the things you said after seeing him play at the Iverson Classic. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the question marks around this team right now is there's, there are guys that you do know about. And then there's guys that you just, you don't know anything about. I know that Kentucky fans are usually used to knowing nothing about about anyone that's on the roster coming into the year. But I feel like this year it's a little bit of a a blend. I, I think, you know things about these transfers, but we don't know what they look like in Kentucky's system. But then yeah. again, you got freshmen. I think of all three of these freshmen, we don't know what to expect from any of them. I mean, we've heard all the reports about Ty Ty Washington. I've seen him shoot the basketball. We've heard all about it, Damian Collins. Bryce Hopkins, we've literally know nothing about. You're right, 100%. We all forget about him. Who knows? He could end up coming in and breaking in and being in their top seven for all we know. They're going to get this non-conference or this out-of-conference schedule. They're going to get this exhibition schedule, Derek. We're going to know more about this team come mid-December than what we knew about last year's. I, yeah. I think last year, the way they struggled, I think for, after game four or five, we all thought they would get it figured out just because that's what the history and timeline has told us when really it was there from the second or third game that that team was not going to be very good. This one, I think we're going to actually know by mid-December how good they can be or how good they're they're possibly going to be or how good they are at that point. I, I just think that this team's going to have – this team's going to be set up to succeed more than what last year's was. Completely. I totally agree. Um, this, this team, I mean, I, maybe we should have seen it coming more last year just with – I mean, it's hard to predict all the things that happened. It was hard to predict that B.J. Boston wouldn't live up to that. Um, myself included, probably definitely did not do enough research on Olivier Saar. I mean, not all – just because he was the best transfer big on the market at that point maybe didn't mean that it was going to be a guarantee that Kentucky suddenly it was a complete team. So there were things probably there that we should have noticed, especially for a team that had so many new players. Who was to know that – I mean, it was just a bad year. I, mean, I don't know that you can look at it and say anyone played well last year. Men's played better than most, but well, if you're talking to people in the preseason, you would have definitely said that's probably a bad thing if Davion Mance is the leading scorer on this team. You got people now that are talking about 
Isaiah Jackson and all this stuff, and that he was held back at Kentucky. What what guard did they have on the roster last year that could get someone <laughs> a position to do well? And then two, who's to say that like I hate that phrase sometimes that Cal held guys back. Why can't we just say that they improved at Kentucky and worked on these things and then improved in individual workouts during the spring and off season and now they can shoot the ball a little bit? Like, you know what I mean? Like he was showing some like he did a move the other day at the free throw line and shot a jumper. Can you imagine if he'd have tried that at Kentucky? I don't know. Did they even have a dude that could get him the ball in that spot last year? I I agree for the most part with you. Like almost entirely I agree with you, except where I do think he did very little to help out Scal Abyssier, in my opinion. Now, I agree with I that. I do not think he played him to his strengths. He, he hurt Scal. That's yeah. that's the one player that I think that Cal really hurt. Yeah. Because he pigeonholed him into being a back-to-the-basket big, and that's not what he ever was going to be at any point in his career. But, like, a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, like, yeah, he probably could have shown more. But on that team, like, I don't blame Cal at all. Like, you're trying to – he was trying to play so many guys and – do what he thought was best for everybody that you kind of got to accept certain things. And I think he's very good at that. Like getting guys to maybe like, yeah, maybe there are guys who could do more. Like I doubt that Bam. like, do I think he improved once he left UK? Absolutely. All those guys improve. I mean, you're a lot different when you're 19 versus when you're 23 or whatever Bam is now. Like I get that part of it, but for that team, like I think Bam did a good job doing what he was asked and, and Cal's main goal at the end is to, you know, win games. And I think he, truly does what he thinks is best for everybody. But a guy like Scal, no matter how many times you try to force him into being a back-to-the-basket big, like that was not going to happen. And uh, obviously Scal's NBA career has not been tremendous. It's not like – basically he's one of the few guys I think could have could have been handled a little bit better. Yeah. And he wasn't. But that's – I mean, think of all the young guys they've had at UK. I mean, that's a pretty small list of guys who probably were not used correctly. So I think it's – really hard to pin everything against Cal. You He's done a really good job. The same – if you can make that argument, but you can also make the opposite argument that Tyler Hero would still be college basketball if he'd went to Wisconsin possibly yeah. Yeah. And, and guys like that. So there, there's guys that have – there's far more successful stories than there are the negative stories. But I'm just saying that I think that these guys improve at UK and then they get out on their own for March, April, May, June, and then they – work on their game. I mean, if those guys improve in four months, the way that we're talking about these dudes at UK can improve and turn this thing around this season. They put in extra work, they get better. But that wraps up the Kentucky basketball mailbag, Derek. Uh, feels good to get on here and do a mailbag episode. Hopefully we'll get a couple more out, uh, well, at least one more basketball football before the month ends. But football is the heavy mailbag, and it's coming. There's a lot more questions in that one. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 